cosmetic surgery. It's one of the fastest growing and most innovative fields in medicine today. Doctors are constantly improving techniques and procedures to ensure the best possible results for their patients. On Cosmetic Surgery Today with Dr. Barry Allen Leica, you don't have to navigate this on your own. He'll guide you through what's new and what to look for, help set your expectations, and deliver everything you need to know in an easy-to-understand format, including how to market your business. Here's Dr. Leica. Today I have an, a, a very wonderful person by the name of Ann Kaplan, who's founder and CEO of iFinance Canada. She also has written three books on cosmetic surgery and has been in the industry for over 18 years. So she's been around in this industry and understands it extremely well. Hi, Ann. How are you tonight? Excellent. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thank you. So you've been studying trends in cosmetic surgery for a number of years. What have you seen coming out in the last couple of years that might be different than maybe 20 years ago? Oh, a lot's changed. And when when we first went into this industry 18 years ago, words such as Botox, uh, uh, anything to do with fillers, were were not even in our vocabulary. Um, About 2002, that was about a 17% market awareness of uh, Botox. And uh, and then since then, there's other botulinum toxins that have come out. That's just the, the, what Botox is derived of. And uh, I think that the beginning of the cosmetic enhancement push was really when laser eye surgery was um, was uh, being accepted. If people could put lasers in their eyes, then they would accept having lasers to help them with uh rosacea or wrinkle reduction. So the trends have changed drastically. Here in Edmonton, we have a a, a man by the name of Dr. Gimbel who more or less invented that at -hmm. the very start of it and it was very radical. I mean, people would say, you're going to reshape the eye and make people think and see better? A very, very radical thing. Now it's become the standard of care. Yeah, and I think that, that, that he really had opened up a door for cosmetic enhancement because if people could put a laser in their eye, they felt safe to put laser on their skin. And, I mean, this is this is just a, an observation, but if it had been backwards where someone had to laser their skin and it hadn't been, been uh, zapping into our eyes but prior to that, we might not have been as open to, to that and as accepting as we have been. Yeah, and laser hair removal. For that, that, yeah, and, for and then, you know, I started doing laser hair removal way back when. Oh, jeez. It's at least 20 years ago. I remember the first laser we had was one where we used to put a black carbon on the skin. Very underpowered laser, but the black carbon was necessary to make it to go down into the follicles so that the laser could actually help remove them. Very barbaric thing. In fact, this black carbon was so terrible. It used to get everything in the room black. You know, we used to have to have black sheets. We had to have black pillowcases because everything would get black. Thank uh-huh. goodness we got out of those days. Yeah, I think we've come a long way, and it's also less painful now um, for the for the recipient. And then saying less is it maybe not a good word because everyone has a different degree of tolerance and and pain, and for some it, it isn't painful at all. And uh, it, so more people are getting laser hair removal, and it, and it does work. It's uh, it's an accepted procedure, so it's um, that's. I think just an accepted procedure these days is not fact, new. It's become so common that even mm-hmm. even hairstyling uh, studios have it. It is 
uh, almost every corner has a has a laser for removing hair now. So it's it's I think it's also grown outside of just the medical arena and has grown into the into the common arena as well now too. There's even home devices for helping remove hair. Agreed, but um, and and not being in, in technology, I don't work in it as an observer. I would um, believe that the devices that are are offered or the procedures offered at a medical clinic would be stronger than those that you would be using at home. And You're probably if I were to right advise, they, yeah. they are stronger. Uh, but the home devices seem to be able to prolong the treatments that uh, were done in the doctor's office. So a person might be able to uh, stay a little farther away from a doctor, maybe by one or two weeks if they, if they use the home devices as well. It certainly doesn't replace them. It supplements them. And I think you've hit the nail on the head because in the last years, we've gone through new devices, new procedures, new products coming into the market over the last 20 couple of decades. And, and now it isn't really a procedure. It's a combination of procedures, and it's complemented. When someone wants to have a very good cosmetic enhancement outcome, it's complemented with doing things on your own too. And that, that goes for skin care and, and other things other than hair removal. So depending on the degree, yeah. And, and I, I think that's becoming more and more the case that that a doctor starts a treatment plan in order, and then the patient follows it, including home treatments, home things, uh, using supplements, using things that they wouldn't get into otherwise. And, and again, the the doctor or the healthcare professional is controlling it, but the patient is using more and more of these of these products, etc., both at home and in the office. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's um, it's it's like partnering with your your doctor and discussing what your your um, outcome, your desired outcome is, and having the patience to to work at it when you want to look better in in any way that you want to look better or whatever um, default or or something that you don't like about yourself you want to improve, but not trying to get it fixed with one foul swoop and and actually becoming a lifestyle. To yeah. I, I think we've seen in medicine as well, we used to use much more aggressive procedures, but mm -hmm. I think in medicine what I found is that using a series of smaller procedures get the same result with less downtime. So we're now going into a day and age where we're using minimally invasive procedures, procedures that in themselves wouldn't have been thought to do very much, but when we combine them with other agents and when we do them in a series, we find that they're just as beneficial. And also you, you don't risk overdoing it when you do, it, do things slowly. So and there was a period of time when fillers first came out into the market and, and talking about lip fillers and and uh, well, mainly about lip fillers, where it was just getting your lips done was the thing. It didn't matter if it looked good or not, if it was shaped properly, it was just big. And it, it, now it's it's more natural looking. We're trending back toward that. If you do procedures slowly, it used to be the sausage lips that were in the the lips that were way too overdone. Now a, a nice lip is one that has nice form. It has a nice enhanced cupid bow. It has nice volume, and it, it is much a much nicer procedure than we had several years ago. No, I agree, and and funny enough, I think when we have fashion and we look back on years of fashion and how fashion has changed, and you look at the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, I believe that we're going to look in another 10 years, and 
we're going to look at the trends of cosmetic enhancement and how people look and be able to say, well, that was a 70s look and that was a 90s look and there's, there's the first decade of the new millennium look and we'll be able to, to trend it by how people are looking. I, I think so. You know, in my office, I still have some pictures hanging on my walls of when I used to do very aggressive laser resurfacing. I mean, back then we used to do it very aggressively. A person had to hide away for literally three weeks after a procedure like that, and the results were good. Now I look at those pictures and say, you know, if we put a little bit of filler in or if we put a little bit of Botox in or if we used a little bit of tightening here, we would have gotten a much better result. <laughs> Which, which I would have thought very radical back in the early 1990s. Yeah, it's it's different now. And and uh, so when we talk about trends and, and we talk about survey, when we surveyed um, across Canada, there were 645 respondents to a survey sent out to thousands of people. And these were, were, were not people that were on any kind of a list. The um, respondents generally shy away from cosmetic enhancement. And... From reading the survey, there's, there's a, a misunderstanding that if you have something done, you're going to look extremely different. And I mean, those who, who start to do procedures and, do, and, and see the results and see how natural they can look, they will, they will look better. But in general, the trend is—it seems that the trend is um, people shying away from it. Yeah, that, that's true, and I, I think. Um, you know, everybody still has a concept in their mind of what surgery used to look like back in the 20 years ago where a person would get a facelift and they'd look radically different. I mean, there was no way you couldn't look radically different when a facelift was done there. But now people are getting surgery done much earlier to also actually prevent aging. But they're also growing into the procedures, so the procedures are preventing that degree of, of difficulty that you actually need to get to a, a radical facelift procedure. Well, I think you're, you're, you're very right there. Now, to, to reword what you just said, is people are getting the procedures, and they might not need the facelift, or it's not such a drastic change when they do decide that there is no other way to get the desired result than to have surgery. And they're, they're used to the doctor as well, or being yeah. in the medical environment. Big, big changes. This is Dr. Leica talking to Ann Kaplan, a veteran of the cosmetic surgery industry for 18 years. She's written three books. We're talking about new trends that are going on in cosmetic surgery. She's just completed a large survey of a number of Canadians, and there seems to be some misconceptions about cosmetic surgery and enhancement in general. What other problems do you see that people are, are misconstruing right now, Kim? I think people go on the Internet and they Google um, when they want to find something out. And the Internet is becoming our best friend and our worst friend. And it's, it's the problems of cosmetic enhancement, which is smart for people to look up what could be the downside of getting a procedure done. But... You can't trust just the Internet. You need to do a little bit more research, see a few doctors, or at least talk to other people about it than just trusting the Internet. So that's, that's something that's very concerning, I believe, now. Um, it's who's showing up on the first page of a Google search is what people are believing, rather than who's the best person for them. Yeah, I think that's a definite drawback, and I think people have to be aware that there are limitations of this. You know, there are ways to finish on the first page of, of Google without 
without having um, really the expertise and things like that. And, and you know, that's called SEO, and many doctors are, are, have experts in SEO that put them on the front page of, of Google. So very important for people to realize that it's not just a simple thing of searching. Google isn't God. Google has fallibilities as well. Yeah, and, and that's where if someone is considering a procedure, they should consider that the word medical could be used very loosely and should look at the um, the doctor and see where they have been educated and what their you know what their degree is and make sure that they are experts in the field not just self-proclaimed expert in the field and that they actually are a medical doctor and one of the issues I think in the last year is that some of the devices can be medical devices but then there's similar devices that aren't medical that a, a an unknown patient might think that they're getting the same treatment, but they're not. Yeah, that's right. Well, a few years ago, I wrote a little book called Don't Choose a Cosmetic Surgeon Without Me that gives a lot of the pearls on, on how to choose a cosmetic doctor. And I advise people to look that up on, on maybe on uh, Amazon.com because it's a great little book that can give you some more pearls in that regard. Are there any other trends you're seeing right now? Well, I I do believe that smaller is more of the trend. So in if you want to look at um, body shape, women are um, are happier to have not as be as chesty and that we're moving away from the bigger is better trend. So that definitely is um, just people want to look more natural. They want to look more like the self that they used to used to know. Um, you see a trend toward skin resurfacing or um, evening out the skin tone. So there's a trend toward natural, but even natural should be, if you consider it, should be your skin looking natural. So less makeup, but having nice glowing skin. That's a wonderful trend that I think we are at right now, which is to look healthy and natural. I think and that takes work. Important. Yeah, that does take work. You know, it, it used to be easier to put an inch of pancake makeup on and, and hide everything, but now that would look bizarre in most situations. And, and when you're speaking of makeup, there, there's makeup now that can be available in uh, doctor's offices that has SPF in it, that it has uh, it's lighter and healthier for your skin. So why not, if you are putting any makeup on, why not put on a makeup that is healthier for your skin? You're wearing it all day, put a makeup on that has a moisturizer or whatever your need is. So not just tackle skin from um, going to get a treatment and, and fixing it, it's from preventing the treatments from recurring or tr the problems from recurring. And that includes too much sun, brown spots. Those are all hard to get rid of and they take time. Yeah, it's much easier to prevent than, than actually treat. I also saw that there was a new appliance that came out recently called Neotensil, which is a, a little thin film that goes on the lower eyelid, and that helps to take eyelid bags away almost instantly, and it keeps them away for 18 hours without surgery. Now, for people who don't want surgery, non-surgical options are coming in like that, which really are beneficial as well. And that's interesting because even and when somebody thinks of a treatment, they think of, for instance, when you talk about what you just said, the, under the eyes, this hollowing under the eyes can be corrected with, with filler and, and you don't think of that. 
you would, if your eyes are, as you age, you get hollower, your eyes hollow, you, you think, well, maybe I need an, an, a lower um, glass or, or an eye, laser eye surgery or eye surgery, but really the fillers can do wonders and are a better treatment than to try and remove something surgically. Yeah, 20 years ago, a lower eyelid blepharoplasty used to be done quite commonly. The problem is that left a person looking a bit like a skeleton with that hollowness under there. Now with fillers, I believe that the lower eyelid blepharoplasty can be removed, can be delayed, if not avoided to a large extent, even as the face ages. I agree. And, and other things around the eyes, the, um, the teeth, which is... Uh, a, um, a little drop you put on your eyelashes at night. Uh, I've, I've watched that with interest and seen incredible results from people that have used Latisse. And I'm not promoting any product, but these products actually do work. And, and uh, I believe the company Allergan that uh, came up with this discovered that product by uh, accident in the... Uh, mm. I yeah, think I did. and it, it yeah. was actually being used for another condition of the eye called glaucoma, and many of the patients that were being treated for that found their eyelashes were actually growing, and so it became a treatment for that. Yeah, and I did try that treatment a few years back, and my eyelashes grew so long and one and longer on one eye than the other that I had to trim the eyelashes on one side to even them out because and it was noticeably longer. Correct. Uh, you know, and, and we've been using it also for another indication. Uh, we've been using a laser that puts tiny little holes into the skin and putting Latisse on that for people with vitiligo. And it's actually been actually helping them get their pigment cells back, which has been really phenomenal for some people with vitiligo that couldn't be treated any other way. Well, that's interesting. The, um, the other, I think, misconception you have out there is that there's, there's no difference between using a cream uh, that you buy off a shelf as opposed to a cream or a treat skin treatment that you would use that is from a doctor's office. The, the, the treatments that are available at a, doc, at a doctor's office, and if someone properly assesses skin, they can put somebody on a program that they do at home that evens out the skin tone that works. And a doctor's office has an ability to have some of the stronger ingredients where if you're purchasing creams and lighteners or exfoliators etc off the shelf at a drugstore they don't have they, they're not strong enough and that doesn't mean you're going to radical extreme um, peeling or flaking or, or discoloring you if you do things slowly over time and partnering with somebody that helps you through it manages your skin care treatments with you you have incredible outcomes and there's a misconception that there's not much difference. It, I've seen no, and, a and, lot of difference. You know, many estheticians, although they're good in their own right, haven't the training of a doctor. A doctor's had years and years of experience. I myself am a dermatologist, so we have a lot of knowledge about the skin that an esthetician just can't get, and they just don't seem to understand that. And many people don't understand the difference there. So the products you get at a cosmetic counselor are not the same, they're not of the same ability, and they don't do the same amount of work for a person. No, they don't. And so you, you have treatments that can be done at a doctor's office, you have creams that you can do at home, but there's also, if you look at it, that I believe will trend into that people will start to take better care of themselves, and that means their diet 
and realizing how their diet can affect their skin as well. So there's things orally that can be taken and diet can help. And you're, well, you're the dermatologist, but in the, from the consumer perspective, I don't know that we completely believe or understand that, that, that our diet is affecting our skin. But from, I, from looking at where we're trending toward, I believe that people will become more aware and start to work at looking better by their lifestyle as well. I, I think you're absolutely correct, and I think that in that regard, supplements and nutraceuticals will be used a lot more in years to come because that will make a significant change in the aging process and the way we look and the way we feel. Yeah, and you can see that. When, you, when, you, when I see certain nationalities or you see areas where people live and you, I look at them and I think, boy, their skin, everyone's skin looks good. And you know, I do what, I go through thought process if I wonder what they eat a lot of or or I wonder what they're doing different in their lifestyle that such a large group of people has have great skin. And mm-hmm. if so if you start to, Yeah. It's uh well in, in Asia if you look at when um fast food was introduced there that's where the, the the skin changed. And so prior to that, um Asians who eat a lot of vegetables and and less uh, flour or dairy will um, had wonderful skin. No, I'm not yeah. saying that 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 affects it, but if you look at some changes that happened and after that, it's worse. I, I think that's absolutely true. And you know, one thing we've realized with acne, for example, that dairy products are quite quite a problem for causing acne. A lot of people get acne as a result of. of uh, just being on dairy products and also products with what's called a high glycemic index, which is a lot of sugary products and, and things like flour and, and complex carbohydrates as well. Yeah, and, and if, if you if you think about it, we might not have noticed that prior years, or it might not have been a big an issue, but uh, dairy has changed in the last years with the hormones, the cows, and those types of things. That If we're consuming them, it could be not just the dairy, it could be other things that have been from the source, been altered from the source that could be affecting our skin. So we have to think a little bit differently now because we're not eating pure food and uh, everything isn't natural that we're putting in ourselves. Yeah, and one thing I I also heard is the gluten molecule has actually changed. That's the the main molecule in most breads and, and, and flours. It actually is a different type of gluten now than we had 100 years ago. So that in itself is something that's different as well. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to be said about gluten-free diets. It's not just um, for intolerance to gluten. I think it's good for skin. Um, personally, I, I, I was trying to figure out what caused skin issues myself and went off completely off gluten and saw a big change. And, and I don't mean over time. I mean within a week. And I was trying to figure out after a trip to Europe where you eat a lot of pasta there. I thought, ah, okay, there must be something to this. And so that's just from um, my own interest. And then, and then researching that later. Some of the grains that were available 100 years ago are now coming back now because they have a different type of gluten in them. They have a different type of property with them. They're called ancient grains, and they're making a big comeback now as well. Good. I wonder if we'll go right back to uh, just natural and unaltered. <laughs> and 
that would be uh, that'd be interesting to watch that trend. It would be, but I think we're seeing that with the Mediterranean diet, with the whole food diets. I think we're starting to see a trend getting back to more natural foods rather than processed foods. Yeah, maybe we'll be uh, going out to dinner and everyone will meet up at a market and just uh, bring a fork, or not even a fork. Exactly, and, and decide what they want there. That would be a, a big change there. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So any other major trends, uh, trends and that are happening? I think those are phenomenal trends, and I think we're, we're really seeing difference in people that way. What about a cosmetic surgery itself? We said less is more. I, I think that's a big trend. Um, you know, they did an interesting study on, on men and, and their preference for women's size of breasts. And they found that men that were more educated liked a smaller breast, whereas those that were less educated liked a larger breast. Very funny study, but something that also shows trends that are going on as well. And that could be, um, that could be nationality too, um, because uh, there are some places where people are, are more buxom as well, and that's exactly. really what the preference is. And... Um, I do see that the, I do see it. Well, surgery hasn't the statistically surgery hasn't gone down. It it is still increasing, and that could be a greater population, more acceptance. It could have been measured incorrectly initially. There could be different reasons. It could be more acceptance for surgery because of the non-surgical procedures. But uh, liposuction is a very very accepted major um, portion of surgical procedures. And and I see that there's um, some great results from liposuction. And it yeah. isn't a weight loss treatment. That's a misconception. It's weight loss. It should be body contouring. Exactly. And I think the, the liposuction procedure, since I have started doing it back in 1986, has changed pretty radically as well. Back then, it used to be done under general anesthesia and used to be a very aggressive procedure. Lots of downtime, lots of risks involved with it. Now it's done under a local anesthetic called tumescent anesthesia. It's it's done in a gentler fashion because we're using instruments like power-assisted liposuction, which really just tickles the fat off. And we're using lasers to actually shrink down the skin and get tissue hardening going on, which really helps too. So all these things have been kinder, gentler. There's less downtime, there's less trauma, and even better results. Yeah, and I, I think that's where a consumer needs to be very, very careful um, there's, there is a misunderstanding of what is an invasive procedure and what is not an invasive procedure. But liposuction, by any other word, is invasive. And when someone is considering liposuction, they, they should consider the uh, doctor as well and the experience of the doctor. And, uh, and, and anyone can check with the dermatology board, board of plastic surgeons, etc., to see if somebody is actually um, the type of doctor they say they are. And they should do their research that way too, not just go to someone who does not have the experience or the education to do yeah, the procedure. I think it's very important. I think, you know, one of the biggest determinants of the cosmetic surgery procedure is your choice of the doctor. And it's very important that you spend a little bit of time and learn about that doctor and also go and meet them, you know, talk to them and feel if they're the right one for you. You know, that interview is also the doctor's chance to get to know you and decide whether you're a good candidate for that surgery as well. 
That's correct. And I think um, putting safety and outcome first and then consider cost, it, 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 when you get down to it with a the procedure, there's not going to be a big difference in cost from one to another, meaning if you're going to spend X number of dollars, it's going to be in a range pretty close to each other. So that you really need to look at the outcome and the type of doctor you want and listen to your doctor for uh, also there might be another way to tackle the issue that you do, you might not be aware of. So you could go to a doctor and say, I want liposuction, and they might advise non-surgical ways to tackle your um, issue. Exactly. I mean, now in this day and age, we have other machines that help us. If you have small areas, something like cool sculpting could work, which is, which is a basically a non-surgical procedure. So we've really gotten into a day and age where other procedures are competing with surgical procedures and in many cases will replace them. They could. They could. Um, there's another place that you can learn a lot, and that's which I found, is when you are considering a facial, to consider the types of facials that are available in a medical clinic. And, and I call them facials loosely, but there are some procedures such as um, a... Uh, Silk peel, and um, there, there's a, one that's very familiar as microdermabrasion. But when you're getting the treatments, any of these kind of treatments, and I consider these a, a lot like a, a facial, meaning they're not long, long, long um, term results. They really are, you can correct me on this, but they really um, are not, not big corrective procedures. But they do give a great result, and they do give very fresh, clean skin and have yeah. some when done regularly, you can get, get make some difference. But while you're getting the treatment, talk to the esthetician or whoever's doing the treatment about your skin. And you can learn a lot. You've got half an hour of a captive person to talk to about your skin. Absolutely. And, you know, many of these smaller procedures, as you talked about, don't cure the, the problem, but they control it. And they control it in a way better than you can just with topical creams and things like that. So they actually do make a change in the skin, but it's temporary. And unfortunately, the skin goes back to the way it was. But a series of these actually keeps you in great shape and keeps you going very nicely. They do. And if, 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 you're, um, if you're liking to going for regular facials, I would recommend to try some of those types of treatments because the results are better than just a regular facial. Exactly. Well, are there any other things you'd like to say? We just have a couple of minutes left, Anne. No, I, I've, well, I've really enjoyed um, talking to you about it. It's interesting. It's, um, I think for consumers, they need to do their research but not trust the Internet. I have to emphasize that. And, and you're right. They need to talk to a doctor and feel comfortable with that doctor and then make that doctor their partner and, on skin care. So that means regular visits. And then there'll be fewer and far, farther between once, once you've tackled whatever you're trying to tackle with your skin. But you build it to build a trust up with that doctor who knows your skin and keeps your records for you and, and knows what works and what doesn't. You can have a long-term great results if you do that. And, and one thing I, I do encourage people is once you find that doctor, go, don't go shopping around. There's always people out there that, that are going to offer you a cheaper price. But that doesn't mean it's going to be as good value. Cheapness does not translate into quality often. No, and it's and if you are going to see a doctor and you're getting skin treatments and then you find a sale 
I don't even like using that word, but I'm going to use it. You find a discounted price somewhere else for just one treatment of a series of treatments you're getting, you're better not to, to go and get one treatment from somewhere else. Stay with, with a place or a clinic or a doctor that really knows your history and, and can understand if you're affected by something or if something goes wrong that they, they can take ownership and help you get through that uh, procedure. But if you go somewhere else for just even one treatment and something goes wrong, you're really not helping. You're not saving money. Absolutely. Nobody will take ownership. No, and that's the problem. And I find that quite often, that quite often when a person goes for a cheap procedure, that doctor will not take ownership and not carry you through. That's the risk you take. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for this very stimulating and invigorating talk today. I think these trends are something every consumer must know. They must realize what's going on. Because as once Green Gretzky said, it's not where the puck is, it's where the puck's going to be that matters. And in this, the trends are really setting the whole field. The, uh, the trends are really developing the field. And you have to be aware of them because um, if you don't, you're not aware of them, you might make a mistake as to what type of procedure you, you get done. That's correct. Excellent. Well, thank you, Anne. Uh, this was really a great talk. I really enjoyed this. I, I think our, our listeners out there will enjoy it as well. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on Cosmetic Surgery Today. It's a beautiful day to explore your options, and we know you'll want to grab your free copy of Dr. Leica's book, Shaping a New Image. All you have to do is drop an email to Tammy at Leica.ca. That's T-A-M-I at Leica, L-Y-C-K-A dot C-A, Tammy at Leica.ca, and we'll get you a digital copy of this fantastic book, chock full of information. See you next week on Cosmetic Surgery Today.